breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This. Every week, we're on the front lines addressing the issues that are important to national security. Islamic reform, counterterrorism, counterideology, and the advancement of liberty and freedom. In this program, I believe we are at the head of the spear where you'll hear not only the voice of a Muslim that loves America, that loves freedom, but believes that it is the responsibility of Muslims to give back because of all the blessings we get living in America, living in the West. But we are the only solution to radical Islamism, which is treating the root cause, that being political Islam. Week to week, you and I together journey down that road in which we have the courage to address the issues that need to be addressed. And this week is no different. Yes, we are on the heels of what appears to be another terror attack at a military base. And if time permits, I'm also going to begin a conversation which we will also complete next week and the week after that conversation about the connection of misogyny, abuse of women with political Islam, with Islamism, and the fact that even mosques here in Arizona, my own mosque, ignored the warning signs, ignored the obvious signs of abuse of congregants by an imam. Yes, we'll touch on that, and it's so important in reform, because the 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 blind equivalencies will be made. Oh, this happens in clerics and others and priests and rabbis. Uh, no. You can probably find similar examples, but the unique the uniqueness the uniqueness of what happens regarding Islamists is their Sharia adherence regarding the subservience, the servitude of women in the way they perceive that. And it, it's borne out in the behavior of many of the radical Islamists, including those who were perceived as being moderate. From Tariq Ramadan to Numan Ali Khan and to this one here in Scottsdale, Arizona. But we'll get to that. This week, just just yesterday, our country was beset by another attack on a naval base. The one days before in San Diego was a suicide shooting in which it was apparent that the shooter was mentally ill and had been simply, if there is such a thing as simply in these type of horrors, committing suicide. But this one in Pensacola proved to be much different. Within 24 hours now, we know that six Saudis have been arrested at the Pensacola Naval Base shooting, including three who filmed the attack by their fellow countrymen, 
Saudi nationals who killed three in a barrage of bullets and wounded eight others before being shot dead as the terror link and the terror probe continues. The terror attack was completed by a man by the name of Mohammed Saeed al-Shamrani, a Saudi Air Force aviation student training at the base in Pensacola. I can tell you personally, I remember when I was at officer training in Newport, meeting officers from Jordan, officers from Dubai, the Emirates, and others. Our alliances with the Arab countries, our bases in Qatar and in Dubai and Turkey and whatever, you'll find many of them getting training here. Why? We're giving them weapons. We're giving them airplanes. They need to learn how to use them. What better place to learn than with our officers on base? I remember having certain thoughts about how wild some of these guys were, how spoiled some of them were with the amount of money they were floating around in Newport and elsewhere. But I never at the time, and this was in the late 80s when I did my officer training, I never at the time thought of them being as terrorists. But I was pretty naive. Now obviously the the militaries not only are trained officers in the national security apparatus of their countries, but they've been towing the line now for decades of being allies with the West. And there is some long history there where we found administrations from Reagan to Bush 41, Bush 43, Clinton and others that have strong alliances with the Saudis, with the Gulf states, with Egypt and elsewhere. And those alliances have included Democrats, Republicans, funding of presidential libraries and others. And we can all wax Pollyanna about how great those relationships are. And I've been one to say that there's more harm than good that comes from them. It might be some good regarding the security balance across the Middle East. But the harm is that we end up fueling Petro-Islam, allowing their ideology to foment and ferment in their countries with no attention to human rights, to the abuses and torture of prisoners, to the lack of free speech, to the Sharia states, Hadood punishments, and others that are relegated upon their citizens. And then they claim to be with us in the war on terror when for over 50 years the Saudis were funding the spread of political Islam and the brotherhood around the world in this weird relationship. We say weird now because now we see MBS beginning to distance himself, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, beginning to distance himself from the connection of evangelical Muslim brotherhood ideology and the princes that were supporting that as they have shifted that almost 180 degrees. So that's some advance, but internally... There's little evidence to show that the clerics in Saudi Arabia are preaching anything but the same old Salafi jihadism, Islamic triumphalism, Sharia supremacism in their country. There's no advancement of reform into ideas of democracy and freedom and equality for all. They might be doing some window dressing and rule changes, but that's not happening. Now, the shooting happens. 
We said the name of the Saudi Air Force aviation student, Mohammed Saeed Al-Shamrani. Shot and killed three victims and injured others. While others filmed what happened. So this apparently was not one guy, but it likely was a cell. President Trump tweeted immediately, as would be expected, King Salman told him the Saudi people are greatly angered by the barbaric actions of the shooter. I'm sure that's 110% true. I have little doubt in my mind that the Saudi government knew that they were sending over terrorists. Why would they risk that? They've been getting closer to Israel. They've been developing and forging new relationships in, in order to build the broadest coalition possible against the central greatest threat to peace in the Middle East, which is the Iranian Khomeinis that are on their heels. So obviously this is a rogue group that deceived, likely deceived their government into believing they were part of the military and likely were adherents to ISIS. Remember, when you look at the adherents to ISIS, the most common country they come from are three. Number one, Saudi Arabia. Why? Because of the motherland, the, the, the fatherland of the ideas of ISIS is Wahhabist Salafi Jihadism. What is that? It's the fundamentalist, militant, black and white, literalist interpretation in which the battles described in the Quran are those to be applied infinitely for the defeat of all those who don't adhere to their versions of Islam as being infidels, as being kafar, disbelievers. So the Salafi Jihadis believe in a caliphate and those that stand in their way, which is mostly influenced by America, includes the House of Saud and their relationship. Remember Al-Qaeda, the base in Arabic. Al-Qaeda's base of operations was to destroy America's interest in being wedded and allied with the Saudis, with the royal family, so that they could weaken them and then destabilize them and take over. So there was a compete, a competition for power, not only in the Saudi government, but regionally when it comes to Al-Qaeda in the Arab Peninsula, Al-Qaeda in Northern Africa, which then morphed into other jihadi movements that includes Al-Shabaab, that included ISIS in 2013 from the horrific cauldron brewed by the Assad family and ultimately the revolution. Supports of radicalization by Turkey and Qatar and brotherhood elements. So we still have a lot of details of reality of the facts to get in this case. So I'm not trying to say that I know exactly what Muhammad al-Shamrani was up to. But, you know, listen, the, these guesses are not that much of a stretch, ladies and gentlemen. The, the You cannot operate freely in Saudi Arabia unless you toe the line of religious interpretation of the royal family. 
And I've been to Saudi Arabia three times with the U.S. Commission on Religious Freedom, and every time they tried to tell me and teach me that Wahhabism was Islam and that I misunderstood Wahhabism when I declared it to be a black and white literalist Salafi jihadism that was a relic of the 12th century that treated women as chattel, was homophobic, anti-Semitic in its interpretations, and ultimately could not be reformed, but was a Reformation-gone Neanderthal, which is what Wahhabism in the 19th century really was. I mean, Abdul Wahhab was a reformer, but he took a religion that needed reform into modernity and reformed it backwards into fundamentalist, militant Neanderthalism, if you will. The Air Force trainee, this Muhammad al-Shamrani, killed three, injured eight when he opened fire at the naval base, assailed the United States as a nation of evil before he went on his shooting rampage. He opened fire inside the classroom at the Naval Air Station in Pensacola early Friday morning. Police responded and he was shot dead. By the way, quick aside, when are we going to change the rules that our naval officers signed up, our naval enlisted, our naval soldiers, army and others signed up to protect our country in war, cannot carry weapons on their own bases? That does not make any sense. That needs to be changed. Six other Saudi nationals were arrested near the base after the attack as investigators began to probe terror links. Three of the six were seen filming, according to the Daily Mail and the New York Times. Three of the six were seen filming the entire incident as it unfolded, a source told the New York Times on Friday evening. No officials have yet stated whether any of them were students in the classroom where the shooting occurred. Just so you know, military from around the world attend the Naval Air Station Pensacola for flight training. Not just Saudis, obviously not just Americans. Includes broad-based training grounds for allies that are going to be using our jets or needing our expertise. The king of Saudi Arabia expressed his sincere condolences to those impacted by the shooting. And obviously that they're going to be willing to cooperate with the investigation in every capacity. It's not a surprise. As with the Khashoggi assassination, I mean, that's different, obviously. That was likely meted out by direction of the royal family or princes or others or MBS who knows that's the way they do business there but this is a rogue operation to stabilize the alliances so let's look first is let's just take it for fact obviously it's not been confirmed by any authorities yet but I think it's looking pretty obvious remember 15 of the 19 hijackers in 9-11 were Saudis and yet that didn't change our alliances now, there's lawsuits pending 
And I think significant reparations that need to be made to families that suffered the losses of the direct system of governance of the Saudis that radicalized the very groups that created the Al-Qaeda operatives. So that's on the one hand. And I think the same thing applies. To say that Team MBS has nothing to do with this guy and his team is absurd. It is the playbook of the dictatorships to create a cauldron in which the opium of their masses is a radical form of Islam that is draconian. And then as they lighten up, they claim that they can't lighten it up too much because the Salafi jihadis will rally against them and they'll lose control of their country. Well, that is a deal with the devil that needs to be broken. And they continue to feed that deal. Even MBS, who talked about modernization, has brought in world wrestling, which I still say is the greatest metaphor of how false their reforms are. Because the wrestling might be entertainment and more sort of open culture than they have, but it's fake. What a great metaphor. And these reforms are fake. Why? Because they're not being backed up when you have women allowed to drive. Okay, that's great. That's a that's a new move forward. You can't doubt that as being progress. But it's not theological progress till the imams, the clerics are writing new interpretations of Sharia that actually empower women with agency to have individual rights and capacity to own a car, to drive alone, to work alone without permission of their brother, father, or uncle, or cousin, whoever might be. That's a male. And there have been no demonstrations of Sharia interpretations to back up what the crown prince is doing on his own. So, just like Al-Qaeda was created in the vestige of the cauldron that is Saudi Arabia, and just like ISIS's primary recruitment is coming from three countries, Saudi Arabia, Tunisia, and America. Now, why Tunisia and America? You'll say, well, that proves that Saudi Arabia is not the cauldron. Otherwise, America would be. Well, it has to do with three things. One is the ideas. Two is the ability to move to where they need to go. And three is open press and media. So in Saudi Arabia, they don't really have that other than to discuss the Saudi Saudi uh, Salafi jihadism, which they do have the ability to do, and nobody's blocking that. Actually, what's being blocked by the Saudi government are the, are the liberal thinkers like Raif Bedoui, like his attorney, Abu Khair. Those are the people being imprisoned and tortured. And then when, when the Saudi government did assassinate what they said were 11, 12 terrorists, they were all Shia with some imams known to be more moderate that they assassinated last year. So I'm sorry if I don't jump on the bandwagon of identifying MBS as a reformer when in fact he just seems to be a more pro-Western gang leader, mafioso running the Saudi government. And as we look at what is going to turn out to be likely a rogue cell that 
is trying now as, what's going on with the U.S. and Saudi? Well, the U.S. and Saudi, just like Israel and Saudi, are shoring up alliances, rebuilding the the initial strength of the alliance that was the U.S.-Saudi relationship from the time in which Saudi Arabia was handed to the House of Saud. And then that alliance grew into the 50s and 60s in the 20th century. And you have Petro-Islam with its American imprimatur. Some of us were hoping and praying that that relationship would fall apart. America would no longer be beholden to its oil, which has in some ways come to fruition as the U.S. now is an exporter of oil. But Saudi still wields a lot of power because of its trillion-dollar economy. Aramco just was valued at over $1 trillion. Will that ever devolve? They have no other products coming out of Saudi Arabia. They have no ingenuity, be it economic, be it free market, be it technological. Nothing. There is no known products on the global market that have come out of Saudi Arabia that I know of. Maybe you can make the argument for desalination, but that's about it. So that economy is doomed when over 90% of its people, its citizens, are government employees and the rest are even not even citizens because they're not Saudi, quote-unquote. They are immigrant, undocumented slaves. So when you look at the alliances, Trump shored that back up, is building a counterterrorism center in Riyadh with the Saudis, and all of a sudden they're with us against the Brotherhood. They've made a lot of progress in the last two years against the Brotherhood, something the Obama administration refused to do as they were much more Iranophilic, Khomeinophilic, as they did anything for the nuclear deal. So we've made progress in ebbing away the power of the Muslim Brotherhood globally, thanks to this new American-Saudi growing alliance, if you will. It's always been there, but it's much more so now. And the left has now all of a sudden become surprisingly so anti-Saudi, when in fact, from the McCain Institute taking millions to a million, if you will, just last year, to the Clinton Foundation taking millions, the Saudis have been funding Democrats and Republicans for some time. Don't get fooled by the CNN and MSNBC's current position on Saudi because of their Muslim Brotherhood influence and the anti-Trumpism that's in the air. So, you know, the... So that's the, the, the geopolitical strength that exists. What's this cell? What would this person be trying to do? Well, it would be trying to unravel some of that so that Iran can see Saudi Arabia as weaker. America steps away from Saudi Arabia. Maybe Americans don't get the stomach that they've had. Remember, the world is reading that America has less and less of a penchant for any deployment of troops. So this might be the time to hit again to cause America to withdraw even stronger. As we pull out of Afghanistan, as we stay pulled out of Iraq... So the motivation for an anti-Saudi, pro-ISIS, pro-jihadist 
cell that had infiltrated the Saudi military to commit an act seems to be higher than it's ever been. Now again, as we get closer to defeating some of the groups that are ISIS-like, they're going to be acting out. So you can also make the argument that maybe this action proves that they're really, really on the run. But this wasn't just a rogue, isolated individual. You don't function as an officer, Air Force officer in the Saudi military to be allowed to come to America unless you've been there for a few years. So this operation, I would say, my guess didn't happen overnight. It's not something where it's sort of like the spontaneous jihadi that decides to all of a sudden join ISIS that was being radicalized for years. But this one likely was an internal anti-Saudi royal family, anti-Western. But the teaching point, I hope for all of you, from a reformist standpoint is whether it's Saudi royal family, military, or ISIS, Salafi, Salafi jihadism, they are jihadists. So if the Saudis were to fight a war against Iran, we would obviously be on the side of the Saudis. But the Saudi military fighting that war would believe it was a jihad for them against the Shia radicals, against the Shia heathens and, and, and kafar, the apostates. They would be jihadis. So until, I mean, they, they would perceive themselves as fighting for the Saudi Islamic State. So whether it's the Saudi Islamic State run by the Saudi royal corporate heads of the royal family, or the Saudi Islamic State, not Saudi, but the Islamic State in the Nejd, which is Saudi Arabia, that's run by the upcoming viral populist movement of the Salafi jihadis of ISIS and Shahab and other grassroots groups, the bottom line is still the same intoxicant, still the same drug of Islamic triumphalism, which is trying to rebuild the Islamic empire and the caliphate. Now the Saudi royal family does see themselves as the head of a caliphate. This is what the OIC, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, is all about. But they're not as open about it. They're not driving caliphism. They're driving that, well, they control and protect the Grand Mosque, the they are the protectors of the mosque of Mecca. I mean, in this case, for example, 18 naval aviators and two air crew members from the Royal Saudi Naval Forces were training with the U.S. Navy, included at Pensacola, according to a November 15 press release from the Navy. It's not clear if the suspected shooter was part of that delegation. The delegation came under a Navy program that offers training to U.S. allies known as the Naval Education and Training Security System Field Activity. A person familiar with the program said that Saudi Air Force officers selected for military training in the U.S. are intensely vetted by both countries. There you go. Do you think that intense vetting is going to happen unless these guys were undercover as ISIS for a long time? faking their Saudi nationalism, faking their adherence to the royal family because they want to destroy the growing bond between the U.S. and Saudi. Now, 
this type of operation, you could make an make an argument that it'll make Iran stronger. I'm sure that'll be the way the administration will try to spin it, and it'll be another way that the king of Saudi Arabia will try to spin it. And they'll say that the bigger enemy is Iran, and we can't let this distract us, on and on and on. But the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to defeat ISIS, just like we saw al-Baghdadi die a few weeks ago, and I told you there's going to be others coming up, you we have to start focusing on the long game, which is defeating jihad, which needs an offense, which needs an, an end to the endless appeasement of jihadist facilitators, which includes governments with societies that are infused, embroiled, and based on an Islamic Sharia state that is a cauldron for these ideas. So until you see the ideological end of the and all Islamic states, until you see an ideological end of all the principles that we have countered in our Muslim reform movement, the equality of men and women, the belief in secular governance, the belief in the end of blasphemy laws, the end of apostasy laws, until you start seeing a clerical ebbing of those ideas into a facilitation for 21st century ideas, you're going to continue to see little cells like this commit acts because they hate Western freedom. They hate the threat that the existential empowerment of individuals does, that free markets do, that our American dream does. And a powerful America whose economy is thriving, becoming less and less dependent on their oil, is the biggest threat to their ideas, their theocratic ideas of Islamism. And that's my take on this. We may find other facts portrayed, but I think we'll wait and see. I'll let you know on this program if it proves to be something different. Remember, we've seen the Chattanooga shooter that was, a, uh, I believe, a Yemeni guy who believed that Islam will dominate. The Boston bombers that hated America. The San Bernardino shooters that were, were terrorists, that were Salafi jihadis from the Diobandi Pakistani derivation of Islamism. On and on. The root cause is the same regardless of the origin. And that's why we talk about it on this program, on this podcast, to reform this, is, is regardless of which way you look at it. So the next time you see us fawning over the great reform happening in Saudi Arabia, Remember, these byproducts are going to continue coming back because the clerics are not articulating modern thought to empower a religious authenticity to what the crown prince is actually reforming. And without religious authenticity, it is empty. It will go away with him. And it will not empower real modern reformers, real reformists. Stay tuned next week, please. I'm going to talk to you about not just the Me Too movement, but groups that are beginning to expose more and more imams around the country, religious leaders and mosques, including my own. Nobody said anything about the imam in our mosque, why he left, why the board fired him, and then we find out now a year later he was fired because of exploitation of vulnerable women and girls. This is what happens in societies 
in groups and communities where there isn't an open discussion about the need, about the elements that cause misogyny, that cause the ideas and deviancy that lead to these things. You just pretend it doesn't exist and you stay quiet and you won't know. I'll get to the details next week. We'll be writing about it online. Follow me on Twitter at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D-R-Z-U-H-D-I-J-A-S-S-E-R. Find us online on our website, AIFdemocracy.org, and our reform movement at MuslimReformMovement.org. Rest the souls of those who lost their lives serving this country. Shot in a base in Pensacola, killed by a militant Islamist. And may our country grow stronger so that we did not lose their lives in vain. To defeat, to defeat the scourge of Salafi jihadism and political Islam. This is Udi Jasser on Reform This. God bless. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.